Uh, tell you what, why don't you go down to the basement and I got to grab something from the shed out back. I'll meet you down there. Famous like, last words. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> so this is how I die. Welcome to the RC Roundtable podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the RC Roundtable. I'm Fitz Walker. Joining me is Lee Ray. Hello. And Terry Dunn. Happy New Year. Yes, I think this is the first episode of the new year. Most Happy definitely. birthday. Yes, we are 2020. <laughs> it should be a very clear year, if I say so myself, right? Ha. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm here all week, people. I'm all here all week. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow so you guys have a good holiday um yes it was uh, a while back you gotta think <laughs> about a, it huh? yeah, it's January 16th <laughs> so yeah it was a while back uh, yes I, we survived yes you survived <laughs> got any new toys or should we talk about that later oh I think that's a later thing because I know that Terry's got something he was surprising us with so I've been waiting to hear that on our workbench Topic. I've got uh, some things. Some things. things. Plural, All right. Yeah. Pluralized. All right. Yeah. Stay I mean, tuned when we talk tension about... Tension is building. Yes. All right. Well, it's good to be back. First episode of the new year. And uh, this makes it year... Is it uh, third year? Fourth year? Fourth year. Fourth year. Really? Ep 99. We've been doing this for s- that long? Yep. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. It's amazing. Let's keep going. Yes. Thank, well, thank you, everybody, for listening to us do this for four years. We're uh, not letting the FAA shut us years. down. <laughs> four more years. Yes. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, we're supposed to do something special for our 100th-ish episode, too, if I remember correctly. We're, we are supposed to. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It is still vapor. Still event. vaporware. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, stay tuned we're for that. We're working on it. Yeah. yeah. We, we mentioned it wouldn't be ready by 100 because we're in, it is, it is the weirdest weather here. I, I don't know where you guys are from, where you're listening, but here in Houston is uh, 77 degrees today with 110% humidity. Yeah, it was foggy. <clears throat> we had some major fog that left my whole backyard just sopping wet. <laughs> I had stuff outside. So I was like, oh my God. So it's awful here. But so we, we could technically fly, but we're, you know, we're expecting it to get colder soon. So we're hoping that down the road we'll have uh, something fun to do over at SCOBY for our 100th-ish episode. So stay tuned on that. Okay. Sounds like a plan. All right. I guess we shall get right into it and uh, see what kind of new stuff popped up over the holidays. And first up is a company that Terry is really familiar with because he's built some of their kits. And that's the Old School Model Works. Looks like they've got a new shoulder wing sport plane. Well, to clarify, I've built one of their kits. Uh, I built the Sky Ranger 40. But uh, but you know somebody had... that built another one of their kits too, don't you? Oh, yeah. My buddy here built their Delta. See? Um, Os- I forget what it's called. Moment, so that's but... even more by osmosis. That's right. And we've had the owner of Old School Model Works, Mark Lanterman, on the show. And that's I right. get to chat with him at the Neat Fair. So... Yeah, there's a. Uh, if we were playing, what is it, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, we'd have one degree. <laughs> 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 I 
Uh, um, do you know much about this, Terry? This well, inception on yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I got the press release on it a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's a pretty interesting concept because it's intended for first time balsa builders. So it's not terribly unique in that respect because there's a lot of those out there. But what I thought was really cool is that this airplane is designed, first of all, to be simple for rookie builders to make, but it's assuming that you start off with a trainer like an apprentice or a sensei or one of those mid-sized Fulmi electrics. What you're supposed to do is once you learn how to fly, you yank the electronics out of your trainer and they fit into this airplane. Oh. Oh, so I thought that was pretty clever. Oh, very clever, Mr. Bond. Yeah, so it's going to be a step up in performance because this is a four-channel airplane, so you're going to have ailerons. Mm. Um, well, I guess you probably would on The Apprentice, too. Let's just say it's going to be sportier because it's a yeah. little bit smaller with the same amount of power. And a shoulder weight. Yep, sporty looking. And um, So my, my first thought when you said ripped electronics out is, you know, Apprentice comes with the AS3X safe mode kind of stuff. Is right. the control set up so that will still work as That's well? a good question. I don't know. The, the servo directions would, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, you would have to pay attention to that and see. I don't know if it's designed explicitly for that without any modifications. Um, they have the adapter that lets you plug those receivers into your PC and adjust all that. Uh-huh. But, yeah, that would be a good question to ask Mark if it's designed to be a direct swap with those safe receivers. So I'll follow up with him on that. Okay. But yeah, it's a, a nice looking airplane. To me, when I first saw it, I thought it looked like a shoestring with a Hershey bar wing. Ah, uh, yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But then Mark replied to me, it's actually inspired by an old uh, O2O design that was RC with a 20-inch wingspan. Ah, uh, okay. I, f- I forgot the name of it. I'd have to look it up. But it's uh, a very strong likeness of that. Yeah. yeah which, guilt, guilty, though. I thought shoestring, too. So I'm like, oh, it's just a, a nice simplified shoestring, and it's a, a neat-looking airplane. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's the premise of it, that this is potentially your second airplane, or I guess even if you already know how to fly well, you could you could tackle this. But yeah, uh, a first balsa model that, that uses uh, the electronics you probably already have. Yeah, it's got a 44-inch wingspan. You think you use a power system, too? Yeah, oh, that's well, the primary thing, yeah. You, yeah. Yank all of it. Servos, motor, all of that. Oh, so once you beat the crap out of your apprentice, just take all the guts out, stick it in this, and have a good old time. That's the idea, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty clever. I thought so. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, all kind of laser cut stuff. It's, it's very boxy construction, so it should be very easy for somebody. Yep. Uh, like, like I said, 44-inch uh, span, four channel, about three pounds of weight, roughly. Uh, some pretty fancy laser work, actually, for the especially for the wing ribs. Oh yeah, lots of holes. Yeah, interlocking parts, laser. Huh. So did, did your plane have this web lock construction that's mentioned in this uh, description? See why you put me on the spot like that? Because well, you because <laughs> <laughs> you built it. That's why we're here. <laughs> I don't know. I built it like a year and a half ago. Uh, well, we'll go it's look at it. Web lock. There's nothing else like it. Build our wings straight and true with minimum amount of fuss. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, a trait of all their kits. So basically, you can put the, the thing together and have it on the bench with no glue, and it's not going to fall down like a house of cards. 
And then just CA it. Just dip it in a bucket of CA and you're done. <laughs> <laughs> just add CA and shake. Not quite. Like no. See, I remember Spr- talking you spray about this. on the CA. And <laughs> so I remember talking about building the Sky Ranger, and it was a little bit unique in how you build it. it I don't remember the specifics, but basically you go from the tip inward and usually you would start from the root out to the tip and you put the shear webs in there. Oh, see, you're you're making me try to remember this stuff. The way the wing goes together on the Sky Ranger is unique, but it all comes together well and then it's really strong. I don't know if this Mambo uses that same technique or not. Just glancing at it, it looks to be a more traditional kind of structure. But uh, it's easy either way. They should have uh, increased wingspan to 50 inches, and that way they could have called it the Mambo number five. <laughs> Man, Fitz is on fire today. Yeah. <laughs> is he? Really? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, we want to set Fitz on fire today. <laughs> oh, right. That. Hey, uh, so I have to ask would you keep that canopy on there? Oh, yeah. Why not? Shaking my head. I think I'd fly without the canopy. You mean just make it kind of an ugly stick with nothing on there? Yeah. I guess you could. I'd still enjoy it. I just, I'm I'm not a big fan of the canopy. Not a fan of the canopy? Nope. That particular shape or a canopy of any shape? Well, here's, I don't like the canopy. I was thinking if if I wanted to put a cockpit in there, though, I'd probably just do a windscreen and a pilot figure. So, okay, that could be, be, be kind of neat. Yeah, move it, it forward. Move the uh, yeah, canopy I mean, forward. And you've got all this it. room, but I think I would just put a windscreen, kind of like a spacewalker, and then put a pilot figure. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of building your own kit. You have that flexibility. Absolutely, positively. Yep. Hmm. But so, yeah, I, I like that. I like how the the ribs are are shaped in there. I like the laser cut. I've yet to build one, so I've probably got to get this on my list. You yet to build anything from old school? That is correct. <clears throat> yeah, and if you poke around on their website, they've got some neat stuff. They they've do. got like uh, Christmas tree ornaments and earrings if your lady friend likes uh, airplanes. And I just saw a thing the other day where they have this wall art that is. Darn nabbit. What? Were you, you going to mention that? <laughs> yes, I was, but that's okay. Well, that let me is rewind. Cool. No, 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 it's fine. That's really cool. Yeah, it's uh, basically three-dimensional wall art that has laser-cut profiles of airplanes. I it, thought it looked neat. I do like that. Yeah. So, yeah, th- that's the Mambo. Insert dancing music here. Yeah, so now i got to decide if I want the Robin Hood or the Mambo. Because those are the two I was looking at. Which Robin Hood are you thinking of? 25. Smaller one. Okay. Hmm. I think between the two, I'd, I'd have to go Mambo. I think so, too. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> do you, Mambo. Do you think Austin would notice when I strip out all the stuff from his apprentice? <laughs> Dad, why won't it? on takeoff without the motor. <laughs> why won't it bind? <laughs> <laughs> I think the Comet is more my speed. Oh yeah, Comet. That's the Delta. Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. All right, something for everyone. Yeah, good for Put that. some sidewinders on that Comet. cool that's neat all right all right all right uh we'll post a link on our various uh, social media outlets and whatnot take a look yourself and i hold on 
sticking with that a little bit. I think it's going to be available, not yet, but very soon. Okay. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, I think maybe towards the end of this month. Unlike my twin otter, that's going to be another month. Oh, really? Yep. Is it still on the slow boat? It's still on the slow boat. It's on a slow truck to the slow boat. (laughs) I ordered it right after we talked. In fact, I think I talked to you, Terry. I think I ordered it a couple of days later after our show, and darn it, it's still on order. Yeah, but everybody in their second cousins probably ordered it. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one, too. So Mm. stay tuned on our episodes, guys. I'll get that twin otter up in the air and wreak havoc. (laughs) Speaking of hunks of foam, (laughs) we have uh, a new freewing jet. And what's old is new again. And this is a T-33 that they've just introduced in in two different paint schemes I just saw. Mm Mm-hmm. So they have a 80 millimeter T33 trainer, the early jet trainer, a uh, two seater version of the P80, as everybody knows. Uh, it's pretty nice. They have two paint schemes, like they have a silver Air Force One and a uh, camouflage German version. Oh, is that a factory scheme? I thought that was a customer. No, it's factory because it's on there. It specifically says the uh, German uh, paint scheme. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it has All a right. bunch of pictures. And there's two versions of it, the uh, yeah. with and without receivers and whatnot. So uh, pretty nice. Kind of surprising they went with this, but uh, it looks like it flies really good. I saw some videos. Uh, it should be really popular because I don't think, other than the Kyosho T33, are there aren't that many T33s, jets? There are a there's few once you step up to the larger turbine. and Yeah. yeah. Like the Bob Violet version has been out there forever. Yeah, but, but as far as foamies? Maybe yeah, one weird Chinese one, maybe from the past ten years, but um, not a lot of options. Yeah, I agree. And then if you you mentioned the Kyosha version, which comes from what nineteen ninety maybe or eighty eight, the, the prehistoric age. Yeah, and from a scale perspective, is much different. Like the, <laughs> what scale? <laughs> yeah, they had to take a, some liberties with the profile on that one. Yeah. But, I mean, it has a special place in our hearts, but yeah, it's oh, sure. a lot of liberties taken on that one. Uh, so this looks really nice. They've got uh, gear doors and removable wingtips uh, tanks. Mm-hmm. And let's see, uh, spring-loaded gear tra- with trailing links, flaps. Uh, I like that they're using an in-runner motor, standard. Yeah, That's really good for EDFs. That's generally those do really well. Uh, generally good outlines, it looks like. Looks pretty scale-like. Uh, wing fillets, uh, the cheater holes are not uh, obnoxious on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure the gear doors are sequenced or spring loaded. Yeah, whatever. Well, whatever, but it work. They're clean. The looks like a winner's fast, surprisingly fast. Actually, did you see the video? No, I haven't watched that. Yet. I think it scoots right along. How many cells? Six cell. Uh, I think what five thousand, six thousand million power, four to six thousand million power. Yeah. Eighty mm-mm fan, eighty mm's, hundred amp speed controller. Okay, uh, ready to go out of the box. It's uh, it's pretty snazzy. Yeah, I'm a fan of the '50s era jets, so I'm liking it. Now I don't see any pictures of it without the tank. Uh, sh- I saw somewhere. Yeah, it looks like they always fight with the tanks, probably because it looks better, maybe. But they specifically more too. They're like winglets. Yeah, yeah. They, they specifically say it, it, they, the tips come off. I saw it somewhere. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it says removable tip tanks, and there's a picture of it. Not a very, it's kind of a really close in picture. Looks like they screw in somehow. Ah, okay. Oh, it says removable for transport. Okay, so ah, if I you see. take the tips off, it's got the square wing gotcha. tips. So yeah, you don't you don't want to fly it that way. It'll look weird. Yeah, I'll have to look in my library of aviation history. Is I remember F eighties slash P eighties with tip tanks that were a little bit more teardrop shaped and were underslung at the wing tip. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think the early tanks were like. Kind of underslung at the tip. Yeah, so I don't know if this was just a later adaptation because I think th- there's probably still countries out there using T thirty threes. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I assume this is some sort of uh, mm. it emulates an actual tip tank somewhere. Well, could that have been just the P eighty? With uh, the drop? or yeah, or maybe it was just the P eighty. I don't know. It could have been just the P eighty. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that would be interesting to look up. Or you know, our old flying buddy Don. Flew P-80s when he was doing flight training. I, I'm not sorry, T-33s. Yeah, he. I don't remember the specifics, but he had an interesting story about sharing the cockpit with another trainee, and neither one of them knew what to do to take off. <laughs> I have to ask him. Or about maybe it that. was they didn't know how to land. I don't remember. It was something. I'll ask him about they, it because I, I don't remember that story. So, I'll... yeah. But obviously, they they made it. He, he told me a funny story how when he started flight training, he was the only one in the group that actually had a private pilot license. But but yeah. he said he had he had the most trouble with jet training. Huh. He had to unlearn? Yeah, I guess he had to unlearn what he learned. Everybody else was coming with a clean sheet. He actually kind of knew what he was doing, but I guess going from prop jobs to jets, it was more of a struggle for him. All right. I just want to let you guys know, I found a thread in RC groups where people are converting the T-33 to a P-80 and moving the drop tanks under the wing. <laughs> oh, really? Well, there you go. Well, they got to change the cockpit too, right? Yeah. Single, yeah. Yeah. Is somebody Ooh. already making a canopy? Uh, I don't know. That'd be a good Could thing for Sparky. Sparky! Yeah, park flyer plastics. That's what he needs to get on it. Oh, the tanks too. Have him, he can do the tanks and a canopy. Quick, to the, to the bat phone. <laughs> yeah, let's commit him to things he yeah. nothing about. You're going to do this and like it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I, I found some on the Motion RC customer community page on Facebook. Yeah. And I'm currently, Tom, uh, our friend Tom Blakeney is, is on there, so maybe he's got one. Uh, but he's made That'd a be a huge shock. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I, I think you guys knew I'm, I'm trying to convert my Kyosho T33 to Don to, to Dave Graben's, excuse me, T-33. So I've got a picture of that, mm. the one mm-hmm. he, he had to, you know, belly land. Oh, right, right, okay. So I've already done, I finished the the wing, I just need to do the fuselage. But anyway, uh, I've seen some incredible uh, livery drawings of what people want to do, like someone's, got, you know, I, obviously from older T-33 kits, probably even Kyosho's, but, mm. you know, one's all red, one's got the, the Blue Angels theme. So people are looking forward to this and... Yeah, and like I, I say, said, uh, they used no. them everywhere for a long time. So there's lots no, this, of good choices. This is a Blue Angel. Oh, someone really? did a Blue Angel. Okay. So they, well, yeah, there's a Thunderbirds too, but I'm just saying someone had fun and made a Blue Angel. Oh, gotcha, so, yeah, gotcha. I'm just I'm looking at all these drawings that people are putting out there, and they're excited to start changing it up a bit. So yeah, it should be it should be a big hit for them. And mm-hmm. I I would get it if I didn't already have a nice flying Kyosho T33. Mm-hmm. So it's not a 
It's not something I'm dying to put in my inventory, but you know, how, depending on how long it stays out there, uh, you know, maybe down the road. Yeah. yeah. Another place to check probably would be Cali Graphics after a while. She'll probably end up with a bunch of oh, yeah, pre-made yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah, she's been doing a ton on those, uh, the, what, the 737? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that, oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> they said no, that it's was not a... a 737. Boeing may be listening. Oh, whatever it is. <laughs> it's the AL... Uh, an airliner. <laughs> airliner 370, they call it? Or 73? <laughs> it's the Wink Wink 37. Well, I just remember there was a post that they put that said, you know, here's a picture of our normal orders outgoing. And then there's one big pile, like it's like 10 times bigger. She goes, and this is a pile after that jetliner came out. So, <laughs> so That really surprises me. Yeah, it does. I didn't think they'd be that popular. Yeah, we're changing gears here, obviously. But yeah. I am. there have been other RC airliners out there that seem to be niche products. But yeah. maybe it's just because there's a lot of people who really like motion. Because this seems to be very similar to the Windrider 737, which I had. Uh, but, and it's probably not much different price-wise. So, hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe it was just the right time for it now when it was too early then. Well, it took off. Yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you left it by but, jokes. And, <laughs> and going back, I remember the early turn of the century, back when Zaggies were the, all the thing and the Speed 400 was the most popular a power plant, a company came out with a very nice looking 747 molded foam that was licensed by Boeing and it was powered by a single Speed 400 pusher in the tail. And I wish I could get my hands on one of those now. That's been small. I don't remember that one. No, I want to say it had like a 48 inch wingspan or something. It, it wasn't that tiny. Because what a lot of people ended up doing was buying the kit and just putting the wings together and making it a flying wing. <laughs> so, yeah, somewhere out there, there's a bunch of 747 fuselages just collecting dust. But, yeah, anyway, I digress. All right. Well, I don't think we can say anything else more about the T-33 unless you guys got any last thoughts on it. Oh. Uh, did we talk about price and availability? Uh, it's available now, and price was... Uh, three nineteen for the ARF Plus, and I think three eighty nine for the receiver ready. Okay, remind me what ARF Plus is. I think the ARF Plus is just the airframe and servos and retracts. No fan unit. Um, don't think it has a fan unit. All right. Well, they can look it up. You can look it up. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just the airframe, servos, and retracts Okay. for the ARF Plus. So you can put your own fan in it. Uh, so if you want something, just to stick your receiver in and get the receiver ready. That's three eighty nine. Okay. So, yeah, it seems like a pretty good deal if you're okay with the off-the-shelf power system. Yeah, like I said, the power system looks pretty good. And it flew really good in the video. That was a stock system. It's that's you'd be, Everybody would be mostly happy with that. Not everybody. Not everybody, but most people will be happy with it. There'll be people like me who will put a jet fan in it, but I digress. Right. <laughs> I think on that note, we'll take a quick break and be right back.
Okay, so if you listen to our last episode, we were really FAA heavy with the uh, notice of proposed rulemaking and, and related issues. So I think we'll just touch on a few things that's happened since then, but not get too involved with it. But uh, I think Lee has uh, several updates for us, uh, especially regarding some people in the know. Yeah, we were we were F word heavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys have been listening, we've obviously uh, addressed as much as possible the remote ID NPRM that the FAA put out. And if you're hiding somewhere and <laughs> you're listening to our podcast, but you're hiding somewhere else, uh, you know it's it's a it's a bad thing, and we've got to make changes. We got to comment. We got to get them to change their mind. Um, and there have been some videos. The FAA was at CES. Was that Consumer Electronics Show? Yeah, I believe that's, that's the one. Yeah, I got to tell you, it was it was a surprise for me because I'm like, what is FAA doing there? Because they're not selling drones. They're basically going to tell you what they're going to make you do with them. <laughs> Put them where the sun don't shine. <laughs> so it was. I don't think. I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard the FAA be at CES before. But here they were having a show. And uh, was it Jay Merkel? Was that correct? Yes. Man, I I tuned into a live show with him talking. And I'm, pardon me while I I pull this up real quick. But he he said that he made this statement at CES. I caught it. I got very furious. I let some people know about it. He said, if somebody's operating without remote ID around critical infrastructure or outside of an FAA-recognized identification area, whoever is looking at that drone knows they are either clueless, careless, or criminal. That's a rather broad statement. That Not just broad, that was outrageous. That's just outrageous to assume that someone who could be flying a park flyer in a park is clueless, yeah. careless, or criminal, especially if it was a young person just having fun with an airplane. Yeah. And that's the kind of... That's the mentality of someone who works at the FAA. And then we had this no, no, other... No, not someone who works there. Someone who leads their UAS integration office. It's, it's, it's worse. amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's damning. And I hope you guys heard me say that and you go look it up because that's the kind of quote we have to take back to them and saying you, you just cannot assume that anybody who's flying an airplane because you're calling us drones, because you are making that weak attempt to uh, separate you know logic <laughs> separate commercial drones from people who've been flying safely for years that is is not fair to our industry and then they brought up and I've uh, chow shu shu do do I'm sorry I forgot her name uh, I, Elaine Elaine Chow Chow yeah. Elaine Chow she yeah. made the comment to reference these rogue drones in Colorado and said, that's why we need remote ID. And it has not been substantiated. No one has proven it. In fact, there was a report that I came across online that said the you know people investigated it and they found nothing. And quite frankly, if it's military, we're never going to know anyway. So if people are seeing military, <laughs> if people are seeing black planes flying over you know Area 51, we're not going to know about it. So it was just another a, a chance to attack or threaten, scare people into thinking remote ID is necessary. I hear, <laughs> I, I I hear thinking, Fitz breathing heavy. He has to, he has to interrupt. Well, I was just go. thinking, so we all freak about these drones that were flying somewhere and did absolutely nothing, hurt nobody, right. didn't really affect anything other than people think they're going to 
you know, eat their brains or something. I don't know. <laughs> They're going to eat their brains. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've seen some conspiracy theories that say it was the FAA you know, playing games to build up some scare uh, and get support for this ridiculous NPRM. But, you know, that's uh, just... I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm not wearing the tinfoil hat yet, but I think stranger things have happened, and like you said, so what? They saw them and nothing happened. So yeah. I think you can use that evidence to argue either side. Yeah. Well, and then after that, those two uh, meetings, then we had the. Well, how painful was she to listen to? Oh, not just what she was saying, but how she said it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she's uh, Public speaking is not her forte. Not at all. I mean, yeah. I, I say that because uh, I can relate to her, but oh, my gosh. Do you know who her, who her husband is? Uh, no. Her husband is Mitch McConnell, the Senate leader. Huh. Yep. How do you like that? All right. Well, well also at CES was a session with FAA talking to four people. Two of them were Josh Bixler from Flight Test and Hannah Geis from the AMA. And I won't go through the whole th- uh, meeting. I'm glad that both parties were there. I'm glad that uh, Hannah was there to represent the AMA as a CBO. And Josh, I made a comment, a positive comment on the uh, post that the FAA had. And I said, I'm glad you're there. I'm glad you're pushing aviation, but I also hope you are pushing anti-remote ID. And he did address that. And I'm glad he did. We made a comment on our previous podcast that I was very, I don't want to say disappointed, but I was questioning where the guys were with flight test. And obviously their, their silence has been because they were pushing their own CBO. I'm fine with that. I'm happy for them. If they get CBO status, great. But the fact that they mentioned in their video, which guys, do you remember the name of what they're calling themselves now? Flight community, flight test community, something. <laughs> I don't remember. There's a new channel. Flight test community, uh, test community. <clears throat> yeah. Do you hear the people screaming at their radios now? <laughs> Probably. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I'm trying to get the names out right. So forgive me, but it's called flight test community association. Okay. So sounds like an okay. HOA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at FTCA. So look, I'm 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 saying it now. I'm not eating crow because this is a thank you guys for stepping up, Josh. I'm glad you were there. Uh, you know, obviously we need to, we need to push harder. Um, Josh well, Josh mentioned though in the flight test community association video that the FAA was giving them a hard time becoming or obtaining their CBO status, and that made me feel bad for them. Because there's no reason why we can't have more. And a huge benefit we'll have once there are other CBOs recognized is that we'll have more flying fields. And that's not a bad thing, guys. If, no. if we can start, if, if we're like people that say, we just want to have a CBO for helicopter guys, that's fine. Uh, you know, obviously flight tests loves pushing community and family and these flight fast events. That's great. I, I'm not against that. But let's do this. Let's stop dividing ourselves between who's a flight test fan and who's an AMA fan. Let's stop the criticism online about what the AMA is not doing versus what flight. Look, I'm going to say this right now, flight test and the AMA, you could easily say both haven't been doing anything because this is the first time I've seen them in an FAA meeting. 
do you see what I'm saying? I'm saying we were all we're all complaining, but this is the first time I've seen us face to face with FAA representatives because maybe you know we're not involved. So right. we're slowly getting there. I hope we can just stop the little banter between each other. Uh, yeah, it would have been nice to see Hannah and Josh holding hands on stage. Okay, well, I'm not asking for the little you know piano music and so forth, but you <laughs> well, know, you know, you know I mean, I, symbolically. A nice handshake, yes, you know. And look, I didn't know about this event until someone was watching it, and I, you know, came across it on Facebook. I kind of wish we'd had an an alert. I, yeah. how do we get to know about these things? It makes me wonder what other meetings are going on with the FAA making announcements without our knowledge. So we, I'm glad we got to to see this and and see it live for that matter. Uh, so let's let's tack on one other thing. Unless you guys want to mention anything else before I go to the next part. And, um. No, I'm going to get snarky here for a minute and just, <clears throat> well, you had mentioned that you know, Flight Test had talked about having trouble with their CBO status. I, I think that's normal. I mean, you're just dealing with the government and it's their job to hassle you. But I'm curious if any of that is related to some of their content, because the whole point of a CBO is to establish safety rules and protocols and all that. And so, as we've talked about before, Factor in all the great things they've done to promote the hobby and bring kids and all that. There's still some videos out there they do that have questionable safety uh, standards. Like the fire breathing so I dragon can see drone? Them, well, yeah. I mean, they submit their form one day like, oh, by the way, don't watch the, the video where we show you how we put a flamethrower on a quadcopter. Ignore that. So yeah, I wonder if that had anything to do with it or if it's just completely bureaucracy. I, I don't know. But I can... I don't think it's... Uh, crazy to see why the, it wasn't just a slam dunk for them. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair comment, Terry. I don't disagree. Yeah. You know, and we're still dealing with COPPA, so who knows? I mean, I'm looking at right. Flight Test's video, uh, excuse me, YouTube channel, and, you know, they used to put stuff out very, very frequently, but, you know, right now it's, they they haven't put something really strong out for three weeks. Right. And to be clear, I'd like to see Flight Test get their F, or CBO status. So I'm not fighting against them in any way, but I'm also trying to be pragmatic about the whole thing. Yeah. So now that we know Flight Test is going to have a hopefully have a CBO, something that came out that most of you weren't aware of, but I will say that the three of us uh, got wind of it during the AMA Expo, and that is the model aviation community has a new political action committee. We made a post on our Facebook page and shared that with everybody. And yours truly has already made a donation. I think one of the first five, maybe. Because <laughs> I did it in the moment I heard that they were taking money. I sent them some money. But uh, I am talking with uh, Tyler Dobbs. He is actually in charge of the political action committee. He is also uh, working with government relations for the AMA. But in this case, I'm not sure. And we're going we're gonna to have him on our show very, very soon. Uh, he's been so busy trying to get this pack running and announced and shared with other people. So he's tied up, but I promise you we'll have him on the show. We'll ask him lots of questions, but the mission statement for the pack is uh, the pack for model aviation is committed to the protection of the recreational model aircraft hobby. The committee will inform candidates about policy, excuse me, public policy issues related to the hobby and support those who are dedicated to reducing the heavily burdensome regulations being implemented. And it goes on to talk about the federal federal regulations putting a stranglehold on safe model aircraft operators. And we all know that. So finally, we have a team 
that can take our money and fight the good fight because due to the tax uh, nonprofit nonprofit excuse me organization that the AMA is their hands are tied and right now we've got a group whose hands are ready to go <laughs> so yeah to expand on that a little bit as a nonprofit organization the AMA is limited in limited in the kinds of lobbying efforts that they can do is that a fair statement completely i don't know what those limitations are but it's pretty severe they're they can talk to people and whatnot but i think in terms of contributions they can make to uh friendly people who are friendly to our position things like that they're pretty much can't do any of that and unfortunately i think everybody knows that money talks in washington so while I think that the concept of a pack to support our very obvious cause is sad that we need it. I also think we need it. I so. mentioned maybe a year ago that I had talked to Chad and I was frustrated and not necessarily angry at Chad Boudreaux. Okay. Were you trying to explain that? Well, yeah, I was getting ready to jump in with that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was just frustrated. And I was I was saying, look, where can I send money for you guys to get lawyers and, and do yada yada? And, you know, just unfamiliar with how things work up there. I didn't know why they couldn't fight. But now I do. And this is the group that I'm supporting. It's modelaviationpack.pac.com. And they're just starting, but that's how... That's how we work. That's just like RC Roundtable. We started with <laughs> maybe five people listening, and we've got a lot more now, and we just keep getting better and better, and I think that's what's going to happen here. And obviously, with this remote ID and the potential to really put a burden, heavy, heavy burden on our hobby, we need a group like this. So I hope that you uh, go to their website, you consider donating, and we promise we'll get Tyler on the show, and we'll talk more and, and answer your questions if you have any. You can feel free to email us. You know, we haven't talked to Tyler much yet, but from what I understand, there is no silent benefactor who's pouring buckets of money into this thing. It's really going to be up to us to to provide the funds that make it worthwhile. Does, does that jibe with your understanding of this, Lee? Yes. Okay. And it would be nice to see some of the bigger companies step in and, and provide some cash like the eaa uh the eaa well they're not a company aren't they a nonprofit as well well just get some eaa members <laughs> involved oh. too well i'm thinking like horizon hobby uh, uh well i guess futaba is not really a big company anymore but the the companies that benefit from rc hobbyists yeah. and hey I, i'm talking to you hobby king <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah, futaba is okay. a pretty big company in japan it's just their u.s presence isn't what it used to be. Well, yeah, I think their bread and butter is like uh, manufacturing type stuff. Yeah. But anyway, um, it would be nice to see some of the people who, whose businesses depend on us to, mm. yeah, I know times are tight. Things are lean. It's been that way in RC hobby for a long time, but it would be nice to, to see a little bit of contribution from all those people. Yeah. Speaking of EAA, Fitz, you want to announce what we just came across? Someone had posted 
or shared it with us? Yeah, EAA has just uh, posted what looks to be a uh, white paper of sorts to the FAA. Uh, Explain what EAA is first. Uh, the Experimental Aircraft Association. Uh, there are sort of like the AMA, but for home-built aircraft and uh, experimental aircraft, that kind of stuff. So they have Oshkosh. A, Oshkosh. I was just going to say <laughs> they have a huge um, uh, what they call Air Venture up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, every year. Lee's been there. The hugest. The hugest. Uh, it, it's fantastic. Uh, all kinds of home builds flying from everywhere. You see all kinds of weird airplanes, lots of military planes. Uh, it's just it's a it's a week long, right? I think it's a, pretty much a week long thing. Oh, it should you <laughs> you could go a day, but you should spend the whole week there. Yes. Yeah, and people literally sleep under their aircraft. Uh, they they win awards for like the best home built and the best seaplane that kind of stuff. Or they ride a bike from their tent all the way to the yeah. tarmac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with EAA, EAA is huge, uh, and they uh, I, I've seen several postings from them, and they seem to be our best friends in this. Um, even though they're full scale, and you think they maybe they'd be adversarial, but they're just the opposite. They recognized how important model aviation is. Uh, not only to uh, careers and engineers, but to their uh, user base as well. They know a lot of their pilots started with building model aircraft. And continue to. And continue to. And, uh, Terry, you remember when we met um, the airbag pilot? Uh, uh, he just mm-hmm. retired at uh, AMA Expo East. Matt Chapman? Oh, aerob- I thought you said airbag pilot. No, no, airbag. So like, I thought you were talking about a balloon <laughs> pilot or a blimp pilot. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Chapman, yeah. Yes, and he said that he could tell when he saw a full-size aircraft that was built by a model airplane person because he saw the extra uh, level of um, precision and attention to detail in it. Right. So building model airplanes certainly carried over into large-scale and full-scale model uh, aircraft. Uh, so anyways, I'm kind of rambling on. Uh, so they, they issued a statement. This is sort of a pre-statement statement. They, they said that they're working on a full statement to release in the, in the near future. But they had a great was it, one or two page uh, mini statement that uh, outlined the issues they had with the proposed remote ID and how they felt how important they thought model aircraft were to the uh, to their user base and industry and just general in general how good it was for people to pursue um lee and i took a quick look at it and we both really really liked it it looked like it was written by somebody who really knew the model aviation community uh so we will post links to it and uh it's if you're not a facebook person then just go over to the eaa website i'm sure it's there somewhere it just came out and it should be easy to find if you're not an internet person, just drive to Oshkosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, and I, I posted it on our Facebook page. Yeah. So, yeah, we have it on Facebook, but I know a lot of, some people say that Facebook is not their thing. So uh, just look for it. I highly recommend everybody read it. It, doesn't, it won't take long, and you'll be, you'll be cheering the EAA for what they came up with. They did a really good job in, like, just one or two pages of really pointing out the salient issues and just, like, reading it, looking into our minds the stuff they said is like, yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, it was great. It was great. Yeah, go to EAA.org and go on the far right for news and publications. It's called Proposed Remote ID Rule Contains Concerning Requirements. Okay, well, let's wrap it up with a reminder that the comment period is open on the Remote ID NPRM. So I think the AMA has their suggested input posted on their website that you can look at and borrow from. 
there may be others as well. Um, I think Horizon Hobby was putting something together. Yes. Uh, was Flight Test posting one? I'm not sure on that one. So, again, people are screaming at the radio. Um, feel free to share it on our Facebook page if something is out there. Anything you know of that would help people gather some thoughts to throw at the, a the FAA. Yeah. Feel free to post them on our page. Okay. Well, that's it for that. Let's go to something more happy. And uh, Terry, right? Uh, you said you might have something. I something? bought things. You bought and now things? it's time with Terry. <laughs> Sit back, relax, grab a drink. <laughs> Lee and Fitz are going to hang out in the back. Uh, join together, kids. It's <laughs> Gather round for Terry. <laughs> <laughs> it's Terry time with Terry. Yeah, Terry, tell us everything you've been tight-lipped about. Yeah. Uh, how much time you got? Spill the goods. Well, everybody <laughs> okay, just... I'm, I'm people listening to are include. just in their workshops. They're not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, Let's go in the Wayback Machine to, I think, two episodes ago, maybe three episodes <laughs> dwizzle, ago. Dwizzle, dwizzle, dwizzle. <laughs> we were talking about all things Kyosho, mm. and that put Kyosho on my brain. So within a couple of days of us recording that show, I started searching around for any of the old Kyosho airplanes we had been talking about. I didn't find anything on Craigslist or eBay, but then I got on Facebook Marketplace and bam. I just searched Kyosho and came up with three um, results oh. that were in my general corner of the country, oh. I should say. Dang Northeasters. Uh, yeah. So I was initially <laughs> going to keep it all secret, but then I, I ended up talking to both of you about one of them. So basically, I found a Kyosho duet. <laughs> which is the twin motor electric from the mid eighties? Uh, mine's is. Did yeah, you really? Kind of, wow! I, I, I told you about this, Lee. Uh, maybe you'll remember as I go into it. So, uh, looking at the pictures, it had some damage. Uh, it's the wing is kind of smashed up. It's mixed. It's missing the plastic wing tips. The fuselage was okay. Had a ancient radio with it and some stuff. But uh, the price was right. Not great, but uh, okay. And the only thing that made me not pull the trigger right away is that it was in New Jersey, five and a half hours away from my house. There's all kind of New about Jersey! Jersey! <laughs> <laughs> so I, I couldn't really justify an 11-hour round trip for... For an airplane. I mean, because that basically adds a hundred bucks to the price of, you know, gas and then a whole day of driving. Yeah. So I just couldn't. And so that's when I talked to you, Fitz, because I was initially thinking, all right, this would be a nice thing for Fitz because that's what he really wanted. I'll, I'll get that and gift it to him. But uh, it just wasn't working out. And that's when I heard from you that you were coming up kind of this way. So I talked to you and thought maybe something would work out with your travels or your family's travels. And no, it didn't. <laughs> No. So, uh, but then something else happened. In that same search, there was another plane that I started paying more attention to that was located in Syracuse, which is two hours from me, ah. and, and on the way to New Jersey. So the, the pot got sweetened a little bit. Now, this other plane is one that we hadn't talked about, and frankly, I'd forgotten about it. It was the Petite Ballad. Sounds familiar. Right? Can you picture it? I'm going to look it up. 
Uh, okay. So <laughs> it's a smaller airplane. The Kyosho had released a whole petite series of electrics, which were 900 millimeter wingspan. And they used that AP29 motor, which I didn't know anything about until now. I knew that it was a Kyosho motor, but I, I didn't know how it compared. Oh, it's basically a Speed 400 with replaceable brushes. It's yeah. a hot Speed 400. It's a parasol wing. Yes. So it's um, like a blow-molded fuselage, mm. and it looks like a Spitfire wing, very elliptical, about the same shape and all that, but it's a parasol. And when I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing that in catalogs. But, uh, again, it looks like, from the pictures I saw, it looked like it was in good shape, and it came with a radio. Uh, but this one, the asking price, eh, was pretty steep. They wanted 180 bucks for it, oh, which, ouch. yeah, that, <clears throat> that was just kind of uh, outrageous. But because it had the radio with it, I'm like, well, let me see if they'll sell it without the radio, and if so, what, you know, how does that affect the price? And so they responded saying, yeah, they'd sell it without the radio. And basically they cut the price in half. Oh. And so, yeah, I'm like, okay, now we're talking. And I, I knew at that point I wasn't dealing with a hobbyist because everybody knows that that old radio is not worth <laughs> half that price. <laughs> oh, old, old 72 megahertz? Right. Oh, and, yeah. and I didn't feel bad about it because really the package together was worth half the price. So I, I didn't feel like I was taking advantage of anybody. Um, so anyway, we bartered a little bit and eventually agreed on a, a good price. And so at this point, I had two airplanes, and while it was still nutty, I justified the drive. So I woke up dark 31 morning, drove to Syracuse, picked up the Ballad, continued on to New Jersey, and picked up the Duet. So you drove to New Jersey? I drove to New Jersey. Wow, the Garden State. Yep. And it was kind of interesting um, because it was out in the country in New Jersey and uh, met the guy there. He was really nice and maybe hot chocolate and yeah. uh, we chatted for a minute and he said, okay, the, the plane's down in the basement. Uh, tell you what, why don't you go down to the basement and I got to grab something from the shed out back. I'll meet you down there. Famous like, last words. Ah. Yeah, so. <laughs> so this is how I die. Wait, there should be some music with this. <laughs> Why is there 10 deadbolts on the door? <laughs> it puts the lotion on its skin. <laughs> <laughs> but I went into the basement and everything was fine. It was kind of neat. It was uh, definitely his man cave. It was, you know, it had the bar and fully furnished, uh, uh, completed, and had all sorts of shelves with all those collectibles, and he had a bunch of neat stuff, Evil Knievel paraphernalia, and huh. just all sorts of 80s toys. And among them was this uh, Kyosho Duet that I don't think has ever flown. It had been built to some degree, but it doesn't appear to have ever been flown. All the damage looks like hangar rash. Um, but at the same time, it looks like a 40-year-old airplane. Or I guess it would be 30 to 35. But anyway, um, but I, I knew that going into it, so I was not daunted by any of that. And this one also came with a radio, and remind me to tell you about that. And interestingly enough, it included a battery and a charger. Hmm. And believe me when I tell you, the battery and charger, they're still in their original boxes, they look straight from 1985, like they were sitting on a, a hobby shop shelf ready to be sold. Wow. Yeah, this old 1,200 milliamp hour six-cell subsea NICAD. 
brick. Yep. I wonder if it still and has the a charge shiny, in it. it. It might. And uh, the charger is just like the one I had for my Kyosho Ultima RC car when I was a kid. It's uh, got alligator clips to hook to your car battery and then a 15-minute timer. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. The Ballad also has the same thing. It comes with a 5-cell 450 milliamp NICAD, and I think those are the two-thirds A size, which now they're like 1,600 milliamp hour for that same size, mm. but also a 15-minute charger. So uh, it came with that stuff and giant servos and no speed control. It's just a, a power switch. Well, just switch on the side? Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. And th- there were a few... Um, the spare parts, some extra props, some extra wheels, stuff like that. I'm not mm. quite sure the genesis of it. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I was happy with it. You know me. When I see old airplanes and boxes of old RC junk, I get all excited. So this was kind of heaven for that. And uh, the the stuff that the guy had gone to the shed to get was another box of just random RC stuff from back in the day. Really? And uh, he ended up talking me into buying that, too, for a pretty good price. <laughs> and so... It, it had a bunch of really old Dubro hardware still in the package mm. from like early 80s, late 70s with you know, different logos and stuff, and that was neat. And a transmitter tray, which I've never used one, but it was kind of neat. Uh, this huge nitro starter, just all kinds of odds and ends. So, but what really got my attention was a nice surprise is that it also came with a field box. And this field box is... Um, made by Aerotrend, which is not still around, but they used to make field tubing and other stuff. But this thing is so cool. It's a fiberglass box that's maybe a foot and a half wide and two feet uh, long and maybe a foot deep. And it's got aluminum legs on it that can pop off or fold. And then it's also got arms on it that stick out the top and has cradles for a model. So basically... You can transport it as a box, and then when you get to the field, it becomes a, a starting stand and cradle for your airplane to mm. work on. And then when you have it standing up on the cradle, the door opens downward, and it's got your fuel tank with a fuel pump and a power panel for your starter and a battery and all that stuff's in there. So it's basically like a, a one-stop field box for all your stuff. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. And like the other stuff, this looks brand new. From the outside, the inside needs a little work, but it's just the coolest thing. And I can't wait to fix it up for electric power to hold batteries and take stuff out to the field, like tools and batteries and maybe a charger. Just, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Did you say this was his or was he just collecting it? Was he going to, you know, swap meets or garage sales and picking this stuff up or was this actually all his? Uh, no, I don't recall. If he told me, I don't remember where he got it from. But this guy was not into RC either. And so he kept trying to tell me how valuable the transmitter was and the batteries and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be rude, but yeah, some of this stuff is just uh, worthless now. So, uh, but anyway, so he's not an RC guy. Apparently his father is. And so I don't know if that was the source of some of this stuff, but, uh, yeah, he, he had a fair amount of different RC things, but he is not an RC guy. And he told me he originally bought it because the colors matched some of his evil Knievel stuff, and he liked it 
the way it looked on the shelf. So okay. take that for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I came home with a box full of old dusty airplanes, and I could not have been happier. Wow, I thought the road trip was worth it. It, it was. Um, so I, I want to talk about other things here, but I want to talk about this transmitter. The transmitter that came with the Duet is, of course, a 72 megahertz old school non-computer radio. And I didn't pay much attention to it until I got it home. And let me grab it. Give me a second here. It's a Futaba. And it's got the old silver metal case and the square joystick bezels. Oh, yeah. The FG um, series, I think. G series. Uh, I'm looking for a part number on it or a model number, and I'm not seeing it. FPT8J. So, I guess an 8-channel radio. Oh, 8-channel. Yeah. So, it's got the two joysticks and then the trim sliders. And then it's got five switches across the top, the, the, as in the face of it but above the joysticks. And then on the top of the transmitter, you've got another switch and then five buttons. Oh, make that six buttons, including the battery check. And then if you turn it over on the back, it has 20 potentiometers for adjusting, <laughs> for adjusting all these different features on it. It's got dual rates, a snap roll function, uh, elevator flap mixing, I mean, all these things, but rather than being computer mixing, this is all done you know, with vacuum tubes and pixie dust. So, anyway, <laughs> Punch it, cards. <laughs> yeah. So that, and it also had, well, here's the thing that's really got my gears turning. It's got one of the modules in the back, the, the frequency module. Oh, yeah, yeah. And just, it probably worth saying that it's the module in it is channel 52, which was my channel back when I was flying 72 megahertz. So I'm wondering if I can find a 2.4 gigahertz module and use this. Yeah, I believe the modules are the same size as they were. You should yeah, be able to so, find a compatible module. So, yeah, I think that would be fun just to play with. Obviously not as my primary transmitter, but just for nostalgia. To, yeah. And I would, of course, keep the long antenna on here just for show. And then, yeah, go to the field and fly with it. Yeah, I thought that would be fun. Yeah, I think was there was a battery a in it? really high-end radio at the time. Was it? Yeah. It, and it's in really great shape. So um, I didn't pay much attention to it at the time, but now I'm really happy that I you know, didn't discard it. Is there a battery in it? Uh, Probably. It doesn't have a battery door, so you have to take the, you have to unscrew <laughs> the back panel to get to it. And, oh boy, that should be yeah, fun. Yeah. So I'm sure it's oozing and pulsating. Wow. All right. So what else do I have? Uh, so, yeah, I could talk about the different odds and ends here, but I covered the high points. Um, the Duet is going to need a little bit of work. The fuselage is mostly good. It just needs some cleaning up, and the stickers are peeling up in places, things like that. And I told you the wing, it had some structural damage, and I thought it was just going to be a matter of replacing some ribs and patching up the covering. But now that it'll look closer, the covering's actually delaminating, so I'm pretty sure I'm just going to have to strip it and then fix it and cover it again. But uh, again, not a big deal. What really surprised me is how heavy this thing is. It is not a light airplane. Really? Well, and I think it's because of the, the electronics in it. The motors, they're geared motors. They're, I think, 550 size. I thought it was the really? AP-29s. Like yeah. The other. yeah, but these are big honking motors. You lift up that wing expecting something like a twin star wing. No, it 
It's like picking up a bowling ball. <laughs> wow. So, but it's a balsa wing. It's uh, well built and well designed. It's got a uh, plastic uh, nacelles on it. So I think it'll be an easy fix. And what I'm planning to do is, you know, these Kyosho models back in the day had very distinctive Kyosho propellers yeah. that were rounded. I want to keep those on there. And looking through my stash of motors, I have some Rimfire 400s that look like they'll turn those props nicely on three cells. So I'm going to yank out those 550s and put some Rimfires on there with the new ESCs, swap out the servos for probably some HS55s or some 9-gram equivalents. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, go there. One thing that I noticed is the uh, stock nose gear is fixed, but at some point somebody had put steerable nose gear on there, so I'll maintain that. Does it have ailerons, by the way? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's got strip ailerons on it. Tiny ones, but you know, they're, they're on there. My, my Kyosho Cardinal has a fixed nose gear, but you were talking about the weight. <laughs> we had a, that Stratus 2000 glider, electric uh-huh. glider, that weighed like a bowling ball. Yeah, <laughs> you, you put a seven cell Nikat in there with that five hundred size motor. That thing was a that was a flying brick. But they flew. Yeah, it's amazing they flew at all back. You know, eighties technology to heavy battery, heavy plane, heavy receiver, heavy servos. Probably had a receiver pack too. Oh yeah, the the uh, duet did on the um, ballad. It has a module. It's also just a switch to turn on, mm. but it has this, uh, I would guess it's like a low voltage cutoff module that is also a BEC. Mm. So it provides five volts to the receiver. So you don't need a separate receiver pack for that. And it shuts off the motor when the voltage gets low. Mm. Okay. So that was high tech stuff. Yeah. That's pretty progressive back then. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty cool to see how things were done then and and play with them and imagine. Yeah, yeah it's just fun stuff. When I, when I was looking up the, your uh, your uh, ballad, uh, yeah. I came across, uh, it's called RetroModelsMe.com. It's a weird name. It's got a Kyosho catalog for a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. I've seen some of those on the web. Yeah, this is neat because it has that. It has the... A duet. It has a Kyosho plane I used to have called a um, was it a Prelude Ten? Oh yeah, right. It's uh, a nitro plane. Yeah, it was nitro. I, I it was one of my first planes I got, and it, I flew the heck out of that thing. And it's uh, that one had a free castering front wheel. When you were talking about the front wheels, um, uh, it wasn't steerable, but it could free caster kinda. So you had sort of steering as long as you didn't have too much of a crosswind. It puts the freak in free cast. Yeah. <laughs> but it was actually a really good flying plane. I had a, a, a Enya 09 on it and flew the heck out of it and uh, had a lot of fun with it. Uh, so, yeah. But, you know, one of the interesting things when you're dealing with these old airplanes that had heavy motors and heavy batteries, mm. there are instances where it needed that weight to balance. Oh, yeah. But on both of these airplanes, the battery's located under the wing. So there's. Not a whole lot of ballast needed there. So, so I'm hoping that when I switch to brushless and lipo, it, I'm not going to have to put any dead weight in there to balance it. Yeah, that'll be good. They should play yeah, it's really good with a lighter weight package. I, I would really think so. I would think there's going to be some significant weight savings and power boost on both of these. Right now, I've actually started work on the ballad a couple of days ago, 
and it had servos in it. It had um, Futaba S33s, which are roughly equivalent to like an HS81, like a 17 yeah. gram servo. Those early had micros. two of those. Yeah, yeah, right. And with the uh, what was the older style connector? The J. Uh, there was the J and the G. I forget which one. I think it was. the G is the early style. Okay, it had, yeah had those older ones in it. Yeah, the, the uh, prongs that stuck out. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a pretty small airplane. It would probably be okay with modern five gram servos, but uh, I'll use whatever I have. I think I have some seven grams and a whole bunch of nine grams. So I'll put something like that in there. And just by pure chance, I got a 2204 brushless motor and just held it up to the stock motor mount that used to have that. Uh, AP29, mm. and with that motor on the front, it matches up perfectly with the cowl. So I think the spacing and all that, all that is going to be fine. Wow. So if this motor mount's tough enough to, to withstand the power of this motor, I, I think it's going to be an easy conversion. And a three-cell 800 milliamp-hour LiPo fits in the area where the motor would have been, so I can get the battery and motor all the way up front <laughs> and hopefully <laughs> balance this thing out. That's cool. It's a neat-looking plane. Yeah, it is. It, 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 if you can imagine a parasol Spitfire, <laughs> it's got the rounded tail feathers and then that elliptical wing. Yeah, yeah. that sounds so wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm sure there's parasol Spitfire. A guy's going to go to hell for designing it like that, but that's a, I think, an accurate way to describe it. It pays homage to the Spitfire and uh, the yeah, designer. Yeah. You know, a Spitfire designer died when he was like in his forties. Uh. Reginald Mitchell, yeah. is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did, before the war started. Before the war, he just started work on it, and uh, he, he, he got sick. I forgot what it was, and he, he was only in his 40s, and they left a big hole. They had to scramble to finish the design with him when he passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read a book about the development a while back. Yeah. I don't remember all the ins and outs, but yeah, interesting story. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I told but you wait, there was a lot. Man, no, no, wait, quite a story. Stuff. But wait, there's more. <laughs> more? There's always more. I'm sure there's more. What is it? Is there more, Terry? Oh. You. I thought you had something in mind, Lee. What no, you. Don't you have more to tell us? I don't know. Give me a hint. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. See? Another thing I, I've been working <laughs> on. Another thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something, buddy. <laughs> oh, not that story um, again. <laughs> So, uh, this other project I'm working on is not old, but it was inspired by something I saw on the Balsa model aircraft, the Bamaba on Facebook. <laughs> some, some guy had built this model of this crazy Russian land ski contraption. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Had four skis and was powered by a motor. If you can imagine an airboat on skis, it was like that. And I don't know if the real one actually existed. But this thing looked really cool. It was just, uh, had like two guys in it with machine guns and stuff. Just a really neat looking model. And so that got the gears turning. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if you can just do that with a, like an RC buggy, put skis on instead of wheels. So that's what I did. I took one of my old RC trucks and I put some Dubro skis on it. And originally, I was going to put a pair of these same 2204 motors that I used on the ballad. I was going to put those on the back and and power the thing. But as I was pulling the stock gear off of it, I looked at the motor that was on it, which is a brushed 550 can motor, nothing special. I'm like, ah, 
you know, I used to use these to fly gliders and stuff. They're not wimpy. They wear out quickly, but they have decent thrust. But the real clincher was the stock speed control has reverse on it. I'm like, oh, if I have reverse, I also have brakes. So I decided to go ahead and build it around the stock 550 motor turning a three-blade seven-inch prop. So I just made, took the transmission off and added a plywood brace there. And that's significant because the transmission is also a structural component to the chassis. So I basically replicated that and put this vertical brace on there, mounted the motor, and yeah. now all I need is some snow to try it out. You still don't have any snow? Uh, no, <laughs> there's nothing on the ground right now. It snowed a little bit earlier today, but it melted as soon as it snowed. With that being said, we're supposed to get some over the weekend, and we're mm. supposed to get a big drop in temperature, so we'll see. But, yeah, usually this time of year we're you know, buried in it. So your job is to put some photos of this thing now on our Facebook page so people can reference it, because <laughs> listening is not quite the same as looking. Yeah, I will. I'll tell you, um, I told you it was a monster truck, so it had a monster truck body on it. And with the body in place... I would have to hack up the body a lot just to fit the motor back there. And the body was going to block a lot of the airflow to the prop. So there's no body on it right now. And I ordered the Doom Buggy version of the same body. So this is the uh, ECX Amp Monster Truck. Same chassis. They also make a buggy. So basically a different body and different wheels but everything else is the same. So I ordered the dune buggy body that I'll put on there, and that looks like it's going to fit just fine and not cause too much uh, turbulence around the prop. And that should be here in a day or two. So if you let me pretty it up a little, I'll post some pictures. But I really lucked out because the shaft size for the, the wheels was exactly the holes that are already molded into those Dubrovskis. So... I went in expecting I was going to have to do some modifications, but they literally bolted on in seconds. Pulled off the wheels, put the skis on, and that was that. Okay. Super easy. So uh, I found a Wikipedia entry for this. This was a real vehicle. It's called the RF-8. And okay. they, uh, apparently they have quite a history of using these things in uh, northern Europe in the wintertime. But uh, they made a specialized version for World War II. They said, According to the entry here, about 2,000 of them were made. Wow. And they started now, in 19... 19- I'm pretty sure this was in a James Bond movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, starting in 1942, and they used them up into the 50s. It had a machine gun on it, a couple of different engines, including a uh, aircraft a five-cylinder radio at one point. Wow. Yeah. It could do I thought all those guys were stone deaf. Yeah. <laughs> and freezing. <laughs> <laughs> Says it could do up to 30 miles an hour. Oh, wow, that's plenty fast on the snow. Yeah, they said they were actually very effective for, for reconnaissance work. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Not very stealthy. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess oh, to- that's interesting. Uh, because, you know, I made that other thing a year or two ago that has the screws that, you know, it was basically a modification of that Tyco toy that has the screws that propel it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Russians had uh, a full-size version of that, too. Russians have all kind of weird stuff. They do, don't they? Wow. Mostly those long winters, they come up with crazy ideas. Just <laughs> the vodka is flowing with the yeah. engineers. Long winter, <laughs> short that days. Bathtub? Let's put a propeller and a couple of skis on that. <laughs> long winter, short days, and lots of vodka. It makes you do crazy right. stuff. 
so yeah, you can look it up. That's it's pretty. They have a picture of one. Because I know I've seen plastic models of them, but I never got around to looking it up until you started playing with it. And I, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I like this. It says, main armament is a 7.62 millimeter machine gun. Secondary armament, hand grenades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, cool. We expect some video when you get some snow. Yes, I will promise you that. All right. All right, well, uh, uh, not a, I'm a out of breath. Man, Terry. Uh, I shouldn't look around because I'm sure I'm going to see something that I didn't tell you about, and then I'm going to get all excited. I didn't know I had, you had it in you, man. Story know, time right? with Terry. It was Terry time. I told you. Yes. <laughs> you, you, do you, uh, I think the show's over now. Right? <laughs> do you uh, have a secondary job at the local library reading stories to kids or something? Uh, not anymore. I think I'm all used up now. <laughs> Unless they ask me about airplanes, then. Oh yeah, then it's story then time. Good to go. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. I guess uh, we uh, haven't talked about our workbench in a while. We want to do a quick rundown of what we have on our workbench. Well, you know what's on mine. Yeah, I was gonna say that was Terry's workbench. Yeah, Ter- Terry doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, did I mention what I got for for Christmas? No, you did not. Two front teeth. Well, I may have told you guys. I'm not sure it was on the show, but uh, Austin Austin got me the P38 from flight test. Oh yeah! Oh, right. that's right. Yes, you're right. Yeah. You start work on it. This. Oh no, I'm not working on it yet. <coughs> I've got two other P38s I got to work on. <laughs> <laughs> this so is I've, I've the got, uh, waterproof foam, the brown stuff. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, you know, I'm gonna build it, but it's just the the thing about it is that it's just not very sturdy after having that uh, storage. You know, it's it sustains a lot of hanger rash. So we'll I will get to it. I've got every all the parts for it, and I'm I'm excited. I, I I'm looking forward to building it. But boy, there's a lot of compound curves, huh? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a new building technique for you. Ooh, yeah, sure. Are this they considered a master series. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, yeah, they've got the harder to build ones. So I mean, they're not they're not trying to make it sound like it's easy. Yeah. But I have two other. Air, two are the P38s. One's an ARF in a box, and one's that. Uh, uh, what's the one you got me, Fitz? Wing. Oh yeah, wing manufacturer. Manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm looking. I Big think one. that'll be fun if you get your B25 built and I get the P38. We should get together and fly those. Yeah. yeah the flight test planes are kind of like ice sculptures. They're pretty to look at and they're fun to to see, but they're not meant to last forever. Yeah. So it, it go, that's the thing about the P thirty. It puts me right over that part. Where I was like, okay, I, I built it, but man, I'm going to be to be very careful with it. Unlike when I built a thunder and lightning out of that foam, I was like, oh, that's perfect for flight fest. You know, yeah. that was just it was a perfect perfect plane to have, mm-hmm. and I could build several if I if we you know hopefully go next year or this year. Excuse me, we're in twenty twenty. What do you mean hopefully? You promised. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you promised. What if I die? Can I get out if I die? That's the only excuse I'm going to allow. <laughs> and I if I a, die, you apologize. <laughs> I need a note from your coroner. Come back as a uh, force ghost. <laughs> so my workshop's a mess. I've really neglected it. So I was in there this morning trying to clean up and be able to walk and move my battery chargers so I could charge batteries. I repaired Austin's Duratrax Evader that Terry gave him and he wore the wheels off pretty much. So I was able to get other Duratrax wheels and purchase little, um, 
what do you call them? Aluminum adapters, 12 millimeter aluminum adapters. Oh, you found some adapters? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. We talked about that fit. So yeah. I found these 14 millimeter online because I guess 12 is the standard. Is that what you said, Terry? Yep, 12 millimeter. 12 <clears throat> hex is okay. the standard. So these are 14, but they work great. They were perfect. So I got his wheels in. We just got to uh, fix the camber and we'll be good to go. That has adjustable tie rods on it, right? Yeah, yeah. We just, well, I just psh. haven't done it. Just haven't done it yet. And I did some painting on the Corsair today. So, I'm which gonna... course? You got to be specific, man. The park zone that I'm custom painting. The one with wings. Oh, okay, that one. The Chris Wolf type thing. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> not even close. I'm, I'm insulting Chris by saying, using his name. In the same <laughs> I apologize, Chris. Uh, so, that's on my workbench. What about you, Fitz? Uh, let's see. Well, like you, I actually spent some time cleaning up my workshop. Uh, it's uh, overrated. Well, I, I had a lot of stuff in my garage and whatnot. So um, then the weather's kind of nicer. So I can actually spend some time out there cleaning some stuff up, organizing, hanging some things up, found some space. So, uh, so the table is clean now, waiting for the next project. Uh, it's funny you mentioned a B25. I do actually intend to get to that sometime soon. Um, I started 3D printing another plane another Eclipse plane, a Model V, because it has a V-tail. So I've uh, made uh-huh. some... It's a new model. It just came out. If you go to the website, okay. Eclipse aircraft or Eclipse in... Uh, have you flown the other ones you printed out? Most of them. I actually have the seaplane, but I haven't had a chance to fly it yet. So it's basically okay. ready to go. I just need to find somewhere to fly it. Uh, but I've flown a couple of the other ones. And so this one just came out, and so I started printing it. It's kind of nice. It looks a lot like a powered glider, but it's not kind of got that look it's got a neat v-tail it's got wheel pants on it this one so uh and suspension no no suspension that i okay. saw uh so i don't know i guess we're getting away from suspension uh but anyways it, it looks pretty it's a tail dragger so it's not a I mean, that's why it doesn't have a suspension uh speaking of 3d printing the uh i belong to a local maker space and they just got in a form 3 SLA resin printer. And it's Can you repeat that in English? <laughs> I can now print things with extreme fidelity and resolution. <laughs> yes. I saw your little uh, Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And that thing is tiny. It's got extremely good detail on it. That thing is, is wonderful. Uh, is that the kind that Chris Wolf has? Uh, yeah, he has. Yes. Okay. So you saw how he could print the uh, exhaust uh tail feathers feathers for the um uh, jets and stuff like that yeah so really high and missiles and those going so i i have a, a printer that can do that now as well not my personally but i have access to it that's the best way yeah so i don't have to expend it because it's, it's not cheap that thing is expensive um mm. and it's so the only thing about it is the resin itself is also kind of expensive so um i can't print things for free i'll have to pay a little bit for the parts but it's still um a much better deal than having to buy one myself and maintain all the consumables. So, yeah, sure. uh, I just got checked out on it the other day. So I'm now free to print stuff on it and I will experiment with it a little bit. I found something, a Thingiverse for my Avanti, uh, exhaust outlet that looks really good. I might print that as well and odds and ends. It'll be good for like really high detail parts, like machine guns and things you don't want to see the ridges on. Um, uh, you can't get too crazy with it because the resin, parts are kind of heavy but uh, okay is there any trade-off on strength 
Uh, there's different types of resins, and there's one that's actually a high-strength one we were playing with, and it's semi-flexible and extremely durable. So, yes, they have a right. – I forgot what they called it, but uh, it was actually really good. Okay. Even regular resin is pretty durable. But uh, uh, one last thing. Uh, I, I always uh, – what do I start? <laughs> I'm a sucker. The beginning. I'm a sucker for hard cases. I don't know what's wrong with me. I need help. Oh, uh, I can relate. Okay, so a club member says, "Hey, I got something, and you can have it if you want." And so Ooh, he got. He says a magic words. Yeah, he spoke my language. He says, "You can." It is an old school ducted fan. Oh, even better. Nitro. Nitro. Oh my gosh! It is a yellow aircraft uh, Starfire. Oh wow, F ninety four. Uh, yeah, an early. Or, no, wait, no, it's a sport uh, jet. I don't think it's model. Oh, that Starfire. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's sort of scale ish, but it's a sport jet. Yeah, I have. I saw one of those. I'm sorry to walk on your story here. No, go ahead. When I was in Florida a couple of years ago, I was at the Jack's RC Flying Field. A guy showed up with one of those. Was it yellow aircraft? Yeah, I thought? yeah, yellow aircraft. Okay. Yes. Then hopefully we're talking about the same plane. But so, somebody showed up with one of those with this crazy cool paint job and it had been converted to turbine power Ooh, yeah yeah and it flew like mach 5 <laughs> it, it was really cool i got some pictures of it and uh, if i can find them all i'll share them uh yeah. but, all right continue okay so this one is a uh not a what do you call it it's a. Uh, it needs some tlc it needs a lot of tlc mm -hmm. it, it's it's a rescue puppy uh it, it molded fuselage right it's got a molded fuselage yeah it's got some nice fiberglass work uh some of the paint has started to lift up a little bit on it so probably it's going to need to be repainted stripped down and repainted uh it's generally pretty good mechanical condition it's got retracts it's got an os 91 ducted fan with a tuned pipe and a fan unit <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've never had a glow ducted fan so um when I get around to it, it's gonna. I'm gonna do it all old school. Get the fan running. The motor seized up. Oh, you're gonna bit. keep that power system at least temporarily. Yes, just to try it. Okay. Wow. They run high nitro, right? Uh, yeah, relatively. I think high nitro, tune uh, pipe. Yeah. Maybe special plugs. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm a sucker for punishment. I gotta. I gotta try at least once. Uh, yeah, okay. But but you're right. It would make a really good turbine candidate. I think I, I did some research online. Some people have done that. Um, or EDF. Or EDF too. Yeah. Put a, I think it's a hundred or 120 millimeter fan in it. So, um, so yeah. So yeah, eventually I'll probably rip it out, put something else in it, but I've got to try it with the EDF just for giggles. It'd be neat to show up to a jet meet with this thing and have it. Uh, right. So it's been flown before. This is not an unbuilt kit. No, it's not unbuilt. It looks like it's been flown before. It's got, uh, it's got, looks like somebody took the servos out of it, but it looks like it's well worn. You didn't want those servos anymore. No, no, not that old ones. But, uh, and it's a pretty big plane, and the wings don't come off, which is the only thing I don't like. Oh, uh, so it's a one piece? It's yeah, it's a, not a small airplane. No, it barely fit in my car. Wow. Uh, so it's all one piece, which kind of sucks. Right now, the only thing is I'm trying to find where to put it. <laughs> I'm running out of space. Uh, uh, I think I can rearrange some stuff and hang it up, but I, it's, that's my next thing on the list is to find somewhere to put it. So I can hang it up and get it out of the floor. Uh, I sent some pictures of it uh, to you guys. You can see it. Uh, All right, that'll be cool. But it, it's pretty neat. Should be a good restoration project. Uh, but you said yellow aircraft, and you ripped open some old wounds. Oh yeah. Because 
Yeah, you guys are, might remember from, I think it was two years ago, that there was that estate sale oh, up here. Oh, yeah. They had two yeah. yellow aircraft SR-71s new in box. And P-38. And two P-38s new in box. Yeah. And uh, they sold for nothing. Nothing. And then they resold for a lot. A lot, of, a lot more than nothing. Yeah, I passed on the P-38s because I went and looked at them. The boxes were just huge. I They weren't going to fit in my van. I was going to have to rent a truck just to get them back home uh. and then figure out what to do with them. But uh, the and same thing with the SR-71s. And I was interested in those, and I asked a few of my uh, turbine buddies what they knew about them because those date back to the old nitro-ducted fan days. Yeah. And uh, nobody knew much about them, and I... I wasn't ready to, to take the plunge, but I should have. So, anyway, uh, enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> Cry your beer. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I guess that's a good segue. Speaking of buying aircraft, uh, Lee and I will be going to Georgetown to their annual swap meet. We're going to the Georgetown swap meet. Yes. <laughs> 24th and 25th. It's in Georgetown, just north of Round Rock. Uh, north of Austin, so uh, they've had that. Uh, I don't know how many years it's been. We've had a great time going up there, though, mm. and and I'm just waiting to see if Fitz raises his hand during the auction again and gets something bizarre. <laughs> something <laughs> I our, didn't want. That's that's our favorite joke. Was <laughs> he just? I didn't know I was bidding on that. Yeah, I think I raised um, my hand to scratch my head or something, and I thought I was bidding on something, and I didn't think anything of it until the guy walked up with the airplane and says, "Here you go." <laughs> like, Wait, what? <laughs> It was great, though. I love that. <laughs> You're just looking around going, is this a joke? <laughs> no, you bid on it. Um, anyway, so, yeah, we'll be there. We're gonna. We're not going to go Friday. Uh, I've been in on Friday before, but uh, this year we're going to get up early and head out to, um, yeah. to the San Gabriel Community Center. And uh, Friday, it's 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Saturday, it's 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Hmm. You're going to miss all the good deals. I know. I know, but we were, we were debating about like, do we want to leave Friday and get a hotel and just get up there Saturday? So I think Fitz says he's got some goodies that are being sold. Yeah, actually, right? uh, got, got a reserved a table this time. So hmm. I'll try to see if I get rid of a few things. Like I said, cleaning out the, cleaning out the workshop. Got to make room for that, uh, yellow aircraft. Yeah. Starfire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I took that. What's wrong with me? Oh, you had to. I had to. The, oh, please. You never doubted in your mind. <laughs> Not for a second. The price was right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Terry, you got something too, right? What are you talking Oh, no, I don't. Oh, I thought you said you had <laughs> the a... The next swap meet I know about up here is in uh, February, the Canandaigua. Actually, I think it's in March. Oh, okay. The one I've been going to the past couple of years. I'm planning to go back again. Um, but yeah, I'm keeping an eye out. There may be others before that, mm. but my next event that I'm aware of is March something in Canandaigua. And as it gets closer, I'll put something on our Facebook page. Okay. But we wanted to talk about an auction that's coming up and, uh, the auction, the auction Terry's talking about, it's called <laughs> the Twin City Radio, Twin City Radio Controllers 44th Annual Auction being held Saturday, February 1st. At Cross Point Church on 98th Street and France Avenue in Bloomington, Minnesota. There Admission you go. is $5.
Uh-huh. <laughs> what else do you want to know? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> their their website is tcrconline.com. Okay. All right. And thanks to Daryl for sending us that info. When is it? February 1st. Oh, right around the corner. Yeah. So I'm going to shout out to my buddy Mason Hutchison. Oh, yeah. Madman he- Mason. <laughs> Mad Mason. Oh boy! <laughs> no, no, no. Mason's awesome. You know, Mason, you were listening to our show and you just turned it off. Uh, <laughs> Mad modeler Mason. Mason, that's it. Mason was on our podcast when we were at the AMA Expo West. Yeah, in he had California. great conversation with him. Yeah, great conversation. In fact, I called him to uh, talk to him about the remote ID stuff and get his thoughts and we're going to try to catch up even more uh, hopefully real soon but he told me that when he listens to the show he's using his workshop to kill time and enjoyed listening to our show and he actually gave us a, a compliment or that you know we had mentioned something about uh, some of the FAA regulations and he, you know he, he was surprised to hear that and he was glad we talked to him because it uh, you know it's important to him so he, he thanked us and I appreciate that we also had a, a new listener named Nathan and I'm going to hopefully not butcher his name Uskoski but uh, he just tuned in and, and sent us a nice email. So thanks for, for joining us. And if you guys listen to our show, have any questions or comments or events that you'd like us to share, you can reach us on our webpage, rcroundtable.com. Email us at contact at rcroundtable.com or join us on our Facebook page. We love to banter and chat with people who, who join us there. So Yep. And feel know. free to post uh, event notices on our community page Yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, by all means. All right, on that note, thanks everybody for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts, where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.